Today on the Lockdown Blues podcast, the St. Louis Blues have slayed the dragon that initially started this pretty, pretty awful losing streak that the Blues found themselves in. The offense was nowhere to be found. All started with the loss to the New York Rangers. Well, tonight, not only did they beat the New York Rangers, not only did they put up six goals against the New York Rangers, they chased Vesna winner, most likely, Hart winner, potentially, Igor Shesterkin, for the first time all season. Reliable Rangers source Andrew Chalney tells me he has yet to be chased this season or maybe one other time. So we're just going to call it his first time. The Blues are the only team to do it this year. Offense is back, maybe. Got a lot to talk about. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Hyman, and I am joined by my very relieved co-host, Thomas Welch. And the reason he's relieved is because the St. Louis Blues finally won a game, lost four straight, including one to the team they beat tonight, the New York Rangers. Huge, huge statement when the team that, like I said, started the downfall for the St. Louis Blues came out and whooped them, put up six goals, chased Igor Shesterkin, a lot to like. Thomas had two goals, Cairo had two assists, David Perron had a goal, Jake Wallman had a goal, Robert Bortuzzo had assists. We got a lot to talk about, but first, thanks to anyone and everyone out there for making Lockdown Blues your first listen, making us part of your daily routine, because we're free and available on all podcast platforms. All right, Tommy, I don't even know where to start. Game just ended. Blues put up six goals. Where do you want to start? Where should we begin this story? We have to begin the story with the offense because the offense has been non-existent for the past four games. We talked about how this team needs to support each other and this team needs to win two out of the three areas of the ice. And they absolutely did that in the goaltending because Billy Huso played out of his freaking mind, making some 10 bell saves all night long, multiple of them. If it wasn't for him, it probably would have been a six to five game in all honesty. Uh, and the offense showed up and made uh, life a living hell for Igor Shesterkin, like you said. And I tweeted this out uh, earlier during the game, but the Blues scored three goals on three shots against Shesterkin last week in their loss. And so after they put the second one in, I was like, hey, keep the pressure on them because it seems like either the team kind of buckles after a goal or they or Shesterkin just gets a little loose. And lo and behold, they did the same thing, scored like three goals in I think two minutes uh, tonight and uh, lo and behold that was all it took to win because the Rangers only scored two uh, but I think at the end of the day we talk about how how much this offense means to this team and the offense was the main reason that the Blues came away victorious in this I mean they were the controlling they were controlling the game the entire game long uh, Robert Thomas was playing out of his mind setting up anybody and everybody he could uh, for assists but he ended up with no assists on the night and potting two of them himself. That first goal, I think, touched seven sticks in the span of three seconds on its way to the net. Just brilliant passing uh, from the Blues' high-powered offense that, like I said, they've relied on all season long, went stagnant for the last four games. Now it's back. You can make the argument, I think you're trying to make the argument, Josh, that is the offense back or is this just a one-game off where we're going to go see them struggle again against the Nashville Predators? I think they're back. I think they got their mojo. They got their swagger back. Uh, and they look like the confident Blues and the confident offense that we saw earlier this season. 
amongst their losing streak, they scored seven goals over four games. And then tonight they scored six goals in three periods. And I'm not I don't think I'm trying to make the argument per se. Ask the that, question. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not like everyone's like, oh, let's go, Blues Arms is back. And I'm like, eh, I, I I hope Hold so. Up. Wait a minute. I hope so. But you know, this this is the same offense that we watched struggle over that four game stretch. It's the same players, the same scheme, the same, you know, whatever. So like I would love more than anything for this to be the new norm. If the Blues are just going to start playing like they did at the beginning of the season again, that would be spectacular. But at the same time, I'm I'm a little hesitant to jump, you know, all in back in on the on the Blues offense as a wagon. This team can beat anyone uh, trained because I, I got to see it over, you know, let's call it four games. They 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 stunk it up for four four games. So over these next three four games. If they can be consistently strong offensively, then I'll have no I'll have no way to argue against the Blues and against their offense. But yeah, lots to talk about tonight. I mean, I think second segment we should get in some into some of the more individual performances. But overall, like as a team, what worked for the Blues, the passing was phenomenal, which was definitely the biggest struggle for the Blues in their losing streak was the passing. And tonight was one of their better passing games of the season like you said they look like the harlem globetrotters out there on robert thomas's first goal like trying to watch the game like head whipping back and forth the puck was zipping around the ice need that needed that uh that fox sports puck trail from a couple years ago to follow that one i think Um, one of the biggest things too for this blues team they, they always play whenever they play most successful and when we saw them at their best in the playoffs they play with grit they play with an edge uh, they grinded in the dirty areas of the ice, and I feel like we hadn't seen that in this four-game skid and losing four games straight. Thirty seconds into the game, David Perron, I think the first shot of the shot of the game was a backhander from the blue line. Shesterkin comes in, gloves it, and Perron follows up his shot and starts mucking it up with the boys in front. And we almost get a fight right off the rip. I think that set the tone for the entire team. Uh, I think it established that hey. We're, we're not going to win this one easy trying to be sexy, trying to make highlight real goals, even though they ended up making them anyways. But it's the steps to get there that we talked about and uh, winning the puck battles in the corners and winning the board battles and all those things. Uh, you have to put in the work to get to the goal. And I think the boys realized that last night, tonight at the time of recording uh, against the Rangers. Anytime you win 6-2, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys that show up on the score sheet, a lot of guys that contribute and you know, a lot of guys that don't show up on the score sheet and still contribute. 6-2 against a team like the New York Rangers is an all-around, you know, extremely strong performance. I think it was an all-around performance. I don't think the defense was bailed out by the offense in this game. I think the Blues just maybe dominated in every aspect of the game. It's been a while since I felt like we've been able to say that. Uh, but it's nice to see. So in the second segment, we're going to get into a couple of those individual performances. You know, some of the guys that did show up on the score sheet, you know, the Jordan Kairos, the Robert Thomases of the world. But then, you know, there are a couple other guys that maybe necessarily flew under the radar tonight, but also had some pretty strong games. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at Bet Online. Now, if you're like Tommy, maybe, and you think the Blues offense is back, and you're not, you're not waiting it out like me, maybe you want to bet the over for Saturday's afternoon game. Whatever you want to do, it's that time of year to play some bets because college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. March Madness, baby! From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is 
your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino <laughs> games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts, and we'll be right back. All right, Tommy. So in terms of the individual performances in tonight's game, we probably should start with the guys like, you know, like I said, showed up on the score sheet. And let's, well, let's talk about the guy that, that, that showed up on the score sheet more than anyone else, at least in terms of the goal call. I mean, that is Robert Thomas. Been kind of on fire lately, uh, up to 10 goals in the season, maybe 11. I wasn't, I'm not sure if the 10th goal was his first or his second of the, of the night. I think he's at 10. Okay. So 10 goals on the season for Robert Thomas. Uh, but he scored a majority of them, you know, lately in the past few weeks, kind of turned his game around a little bit. Like you said, no assists for him tonight, which is, is uh, usually when you have had game plenty with, of them. Yeah. Right. Right. Usually in a game where Robert Thomas has no assists, you're like, oh man, Robert Thomas didn't play his best tonight, but nope, here he is with two goals. So let's, let's combine this one. Thomas, two assists or two goals, sorry. Cairo, two assists, sort of a flip flop of their usual roles. What did you see out of the two young stars for the St. Louis Blues? Oh, I think we're really seeing Robert Thomas come into his own as a player in the NHL because this level of Robert Thomas that we're seeing right now is extremely similar to the level of Robert Thomas that dominated the OHL with the London Knights. And I mean, the dude is just playing brilliant hockey in every facet. He's he's winning faceoffs. He's playing good defense. He's back checking. Uh, he's protecting the puck in the offensive zone. He's winning board battles. Uh, he's grinding out pucks. He's making just absurd passes like he always does. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he led the team in shots on goal tonight. And so for everyone that's saying, well, we wish Robert Thomas would shoot the puck more, he did. So this last stretch of games where he's been heating it up with the goal production especially, we've gotten a lot of uh, like goals for him that are still set up by his passing, right? It's like a sauce over the stick of the defenseman, takes him out of the play, the puck comes right back to him as a tap-in on the doorstep, right? Tonight, his second goal was like a David Perron-style toe-drag into a wrister and just beats Shesterkin clean glove side. Like, dude, I remember talking about it on the podcast a while ago, but if you haven't listened to the episode of Missing Curfew, which is the Scotty Upshaw podcast, they do a great job over there. They interviewed Jordan Bennington. They asked him, like, who is the most difficult shots to stop in practice. And obviously he said Vladimir Tarasenko, but some of the other names that he mentioned were Jordan Cairo as well as Robert Thomas. So if if that tells you anything of the shot that Robert Thomas is capable of, uh, and he's been hiding it up to this point, but I think uh, we really do have a fully capable playmaker as well as a goal scorer in Robert Thomas, especially beating guys off the rush. I mean, we've seen flashes of what he's able to do uh, puck handling and beating guys with like one-on-one moves. Jordan Kyra obviously does it a lot more often and tries it a lot more often than Robert Thomas does, but I don't think Robert Thomas lacks in that capability either. So putting the weight of the shoulders on those two moving forward to kind of be the new face of this team feels like a tall task right now just because they're so young. But I think when you take into consideration the skill set that they have and uh, the experience that they have, the chemistry that they have, I mean, these guys are going to be absolute bombshells for this team uh, for years to come. And I'm so excited. Every It feels like every game they develop something else. And like even just this game, like watching Rob rip that wrister past, like you said, the Vesna probable winner and a Hart Trophy candidate I mean, it just speaks dividends to like this guy's work ethic and 
uh, what he's what he brings to a hockey team. So I'm so excited to watch the development of these guys because it seems like they take massive steps forward in every game that they play. We talked about this before the podcast, and it's an interesting point. You mentioned Jordan Cairo, and you said something that kind of like made me laugh a little bit. Like you're like Jordan Cairo, who is this? And he's still not even playing well. And like I think you're right. You know, not, this isn't to to bash on Jordan Cairo, but just in terms of what he was doing earlier in the season and the play that he had and and just how consistent he was. I definitely think he's not where he wants to be right now. He's still playing a little poorly, uh, gripping the stick a little too tight. You've heard all the cliches here uh, time and time again. But the thing is, you know, we saw this out of him last season too. We saw him... Just more turnovers from what I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. More turnovers, a little looser with the puck. And we saw this last year, except last year when he started struggling and started turning the puck over a little bit more, the points disappeared too. The fact that Jordan Cairo is playing evidently poor hockey right now by his standards and still putting up multi-point games left yeah, and right like that's insane it shows you shows you what you got in, in a player like him you know when even on his on his off nights quote unquote he's still putting up points and therefore still getting that ice time i think that was one of the biggest problems last year is once jordan Cairo started going cold you know his ice time took a huge dip getting around like 10 minutes a night just because he was frankly a liability out there, and as much you know, when he was turning the puck over and the offense wasn't coming, there really wasn't an argument to to have him out on the ice all that much. Now you can sort of say, yeah, okay, maybe he's gonna have a, a rough turnover a couple times a game while he's rusty, but he'll he'll put the puck in the net or he'll he'll make some tape to tape passes that'll that'll end up in goals. So it just gets me excited for when he starts you know finding his game again a hundred percent and when he's really you know firing on all cylinders because I think he'll get back to that point. Because, you know, he has the ice time. He'll figure it out eventually. I can't wait to see where that takes his game once he gets, you know, back up to full confidence. It's going to be really exciting to see. Uh, In the third segment here, I want to talk about some more individual performances. And I want to basically spend the whole time, Tommy, I hope this is cool with you because we were talking about before the pod, talking about the defense. Yes. You know, we changed up the defensive... Changed up the defensive pairings for, like, the first time in eons, it felt like. You know, kept the... I got two big ones on my mind that I want to bring up. Yeah. Yeah, kept the crew and Falk pairing together. You know, they've been working all season, but finally broke up that pareko Mikola pairing that evidently was weighing each one of them down because both of them had really strong games tonight. Jake Wallman, as the seventh guy, played that role perfectly. Lots to talk about in this third segment regarding the defense. Make sure you stay tuned. All right, Tommy. You said you had two big points about the defense. I won't even try to, you know, lead into anything or guess. Just take it away. What's your what's your first one? Hit me. So my first one was I, I talked earlier in this podcast and said that I, I thought that Robert Thomas led the team in shots. And he did not, Josh. Oh. The player who led the team in shots was Justin Falk with five. Robert Thomas had four. And hit the I post think, too. Yeah, yeah, he hit the post and probably could have had. You hear that? That, that two post shot was a hundred and one miles per hour. They said Dude, on the broadcast, the guy's nasty. I'm telling you, dude, he brings it in every single zone. I think that's like that's huge for this team. He's been he's been a pillar of consistency for this team all season long. So uh, I think the last time we did a duo pod together, I picked him as my locked on player of the game. And I'm not going to count this as that, but like he had he had a great game, right? So it's something you love to see from a guy that uh, who you consistently depend on. Um, Nico Mikola had a fight. I feel like he held it down defensively, and I feel like obviously you love seeing the guy like develop and like 
being so young and putting him on the first pairing, like that's a tall task of anybody, especially next to a guy like Colton Pareko, who I feel like excels more when he's able to rely heavily on his on his defensive pairing. I feel like that's kind of taken a toll on Mikula and maybe like the pressure got to him because of the past couple of games when he was on that top pairing, didn't feel like he was playing his best hockey. But when he's getting in the kitchen of other guys enough and to make them mad enough to drop the gloves, I think that's when he's playing his best. Uh, he's laying down the body. He's shutting it down defensively. I think he is an above average. I'd even go as far as saying a solid third pairing defenseman by every account in the NHL. Just makes me a little bit a little bit shifty uh, when he's on that first pairing. So I'm going to segue that into my next point and saying that Jacob Chikrin Bringing him in can move Mikula down to that third pairing. Maybe have Scandella and him uh, split time based on a matchup or whatever what, whatever you want to do. But I think if you're Colton Pareko, would you rather rely on a defensive pairing of Jacob Chikrin or Nico Mikula? And, and would you rather put faith in... Which one of those would you put faith in to uh, carry the weight of however much Colton Pareko needs you to carry? That episode, if and when we have it, Jacob Shaker had traded to the St. Louis Blues. That is going to be a going to be a fun one. We've been we've been teasing that for seems like months now. He's got um, four goals in his last two games. I mean, might I even say that Marco Scandella had one of his most solid games. He of the played season. well too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't I always say that say, often on this podcast. No, I, I always say on this on this podcast. You know, besides the times that we have segments like this where we just purposely go out of our way to highlight the defenseman, the only time that defensemen get their names mentioned on this podcast usually is when they're playing poorly just because that's how that position works in hockey unless you're a, a kale mccarr type or a little bit of a you know like a tory krug sometimes justin falk type the the better you play the less you're noticed as a defenseman you know because you're, you're just making the right play poke checking the puck you know being in the right position keeping guys out of you know and then if you're getting blown past or turning the puck over that's when like you're like oh wait was who is that oh scandella or that that's when those names come up and i feel like Every single time we've brought up Marco Scandella's name this season has been for that. He's been he's playing been playing poorly, and for the first time, I think we can bring up his name. And be like, he had a pretty good game, and enough so where I feel like that he deserves a, a little bit of a shout out uh, because we've definitely been very critical of him this season. Uh, he's he's the new Zach Sanford. Uh, we knew there'd be one, and it's it's turned into him, and you know maybe deservedly so, maybe not, but maybe these new line pairings. The original duo of Pareko and Scandella, the thing that got him his extension here and got so many Blues fans kind of excited at the prospect of having him around, maybe that pairing is sort of reignited. And then the same thing, like you said, Mikola on that third pairing uh, kind of reignited him too, play with a little bit more of an edge. And then Jake Wallman as that seventh defenseman role, I think played it perfectly, you know, was just that extra spark whenever the Blues needed to, to rest a, a guy or, or change things up a little bit. He even had a goal on one of the prettiest stretches of, of offense the blues have had all season you know they they scored uh off of off a delay penalty i go to i go to rewatch the highlight and i'm sitting there staring at my phone two minutes for long <laughs> sitting there staring at my phone for two minutes being like, all right when's the goal gonna happen because the blues just pass the puck you know behind the net cycle 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 and they they cycle so much georgiev got dizzy and fell over and wallman just put it into the empty net i, I I mean, I'm I'm stoked, man. I, as much as, you know, like I said, I'm not fully bought in yet. It's not like they just went out and the offense won them this game and the defense kind of just got to sit back and relax. The Rangers put on a lot of pressure at times and the defense stood tall and 
you know what they say, the best defense or the best offense is a good defense. And I think, you know, one of the few times this season, the defense turned into offense enough to get the Blues to win. I will say this, though. I, I do think, obviously, that the offense led the way for the success in this game. And I do think because the score was 6-2, to two, we're kind of looking at this through rose-colored lenses, right? Because it was a good game for the defense, but all things considered, like, Vili Husso played out of his mind. And if Vili Husso didn't play out of his mind, then there's a very possible and possibly probable chance that that game is like six to five with the amount of saves that Billy Huso made that he had no business saving. So I think if this was a six to five win where we've got a much different tone and I don't yeah. think that's because the defense played terrible. I think they played like to their capabilities, but it still kind of re-solidifies the idea in my mind that this team still needs to add defensively at the deadline to truly compete with these teams because there's not like Billy Huso played a great game and like by all accounts should have been like probably second star of the game behind Robert Thomas. Like the dude was like no look like blocker saves just out of his mind. That one kick save he had when he was sliding the other way was just unbelievable. And this dude's like realistically though, like you can't expect him to have that kind of performance every night, especially in the playoffs when it's like, games every other night and guys are getting wary and getting worn down and all those things so if he doesn't have a game like that then the defense has to step it up and I think to do that with this Blues team right now you got to add somebody I mean I guess the bar is set so low that I agree with everything you said even though it's even though it sounded like I was like praising the crap out of the defense you're totally right they played up to their capability they played okay I just feel like we're so used to watching this defense just leave goalies out you know especially the last four they played way better than the last four yeah so like yeah the bar is set so low that they just had to kind of do a little do a little tippy toe over it we're like oh defense they 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 didn't look like traffic cones out there so uh yeah i I think you're right but i don't know man glass cannon the 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 glass has been hot glue guns back together and the cannon's still going still pushing it along I will say uh, this: I, I don't think I'll ever doubt the offense on this team because yeah, exactly, the way exactly. They look let's hope. Let's hope that uh, we'll never <laughs> that, go quiet that, again. Hey, hey, the the like I said, I'm gonna keep. I'm just gonna be the buzzword for the rest of the season. The, the glass hope. I, I, oh yeah, the, the, I like the that. glass because I think it's it's perfect. And you know what? It it stayed strong for the first 45 games of the season, shattered for the last four, and then like I said, a little bit of a little bit of duct tape, Elmer's glue She's here and to there, go. back together. Mod Let's see Podge. if we can just give it, give it a push over the finish yeah. line. And who knows? You know, like I said, winning a Stanley Cup. Or I don't know if I want to go that far. That well, that play, no, that a is a good run. analogy though, because it's like okay, so let's let's think of this as like in like biblical and like historical terms, right? Let's take like the Trojan horse, right? So let's replace the Trojan horse with the glass cannon. And so we're wheeling it in, we're wheeling it in, and we're like, oh, like. You know, it's maybe it's not a gift per se, but like they're going to let us in the castle because like it's a glass cannon and they're like expecting it, right? They don't really fully realize on the surface that it's duct taped together and modge podged and all of these things. So as long as we just, you know, keep pushing it in and like don't and they're looking too at many they're bumps, looking at it, they're, they're laughing, like, they're going, they're going, oh look at this, look at this crappy cannon. And all of a sudden you you light the fuse and yeah. boom, 
6-2 New York against the New York Rangers. Igor Shosturkin, you're gone. Exactly. And if you don't hit any of those bumps or potholes or anything like that, the whole thing's not going to shatter and fall apart. And then you're standing there like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, no yeah. armor, no protection against an entire castle that's trying to kill you. Yeah, I mean, winning a Stanley Cup, going deep in the playoffs is all about getting hot at the right time. And the Blues are a really, really good team when they're hot. They're also a pretty poor team when they're when they're cold. So, you know, who who knows if if the Blues can have like, for example, the first fifteen games of the season, they were on fire. You you're on fire for fifteen straight playoff games. You're in the third round. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? With Chikrin Chikrin on fire like he is right now, Josh. Speak it into existence. With Chikrin on fire like he is right now, if the Blues go out and acquire him, how how drastically do you think their Stanley Cup odds increase? I think think you take the glass out of the the cannon and you put a layer of like steel and titanium over it. It becomes... I, I really truly think that a true number one defenseman would make this team night and day different because i don't even know and here's the thing too like i don't even know if chikrin or pareko are a number one defenseman right because like chikrin's so young and he's like had a a crazy like a crazy productive year last year and this year he's kind of tapered off pareko had a crazy productive 2019 and then he's kind of tapered off but i think the two together you don't need one guy that's just above the pack because that pairing is so good. And like we talked about with like, you know, Mikola having a, a bit of a lesser role kind of improved this game. You bring in a guy like Jacob Chikorin or just any defenseman and it just takes some of the weight off of everyone else, which makes them play better. It, it could be it could be a huge game changer. I'm looking forward to seeing if it is here on the Lockdown Blues podcast, but that is all the time we have for you guys today. I want to thank everyone so much for listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, tell your so friends. Sure you, yeah, tell your friends. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button, whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Leave a review if you're feeling so kind. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave a comment. We try to interact with all the comments. We have a lot of fun doing it. Follow us on all of our socials at Lockdown Blues on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Josh Hammond NHL. Follow Tommy at TWelcher15. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, let's go, Blues.